2020 is over and I feel like we all need a minute to process. So that's what we're doing on today's episode. You're listening to Copy Chatter, the podcast where we talk about all things writing business. We're having a conversation here about freelance writing and freelance writers, and you are invited. Let's chat about business, marketing, dealing with clients, mindset issues, copy tips, and rolling with the changes. We'll also delve into what's going on with this particular writer as I grow and build my own business. Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. I don't know about you, but 2020... The year in general really did a number on me. The events of last year are more numerous than I could ever recount. (laughs) It would take me years of podcasting to get through all the junk that happened last year. The vast majority of which was very not good. Um, And I'm not just talking about the pandemic stuff. But... 2020 was, in a sense, good for business. And um, as a copywriter, I found that the demand for my skills went through a very significant increase. And I think part of that had to do with, I simply got better at marketing myself as a copywriter. And part of it had to do with the fact that my skills, you know, my stuff started to be proven, and I became more visible in these circles as someone who could piece together some decent stuff. Um, And then part of it is just that the demand for copy was higher. People, well, and what's interesting is that the demand for copy was higher. The demand for good, like really good copy was higher because there were kind of two types of businesses in 2020, especially as the pandemic hit and the shutdowns were taking place. Some businesses pulled up the sidewalks and just tried to weather the storm. And other types of businesses decided to go all out and go big. And so the ones who were able to go big, they had some money to put behind it and they knew they needed good copy. They Not just any copywriter, not just any offer, not just any funnel. They needed the right stuff. So they were willing to pay more. And uh, and so that's where people like me come into play. I'm not like a $50,000 a sales letter writer, but um, I'm also not $500 a sales letter writer either. Um, I, I found that I'm hanging out in a in a pretty cool sweet spot that I really enjoy. Um, and so yeah, it was good for business. Unfortunately, my adult brain really struggled to keep up. So I had to scale back on the client work. Conveniently, I was able to scale up on my rates. Um, because working in the middle of a, a just a extended, protracted crisis, by about September became very, very difficult for me. I found that my emotional and mental energy and even my physical energy was so depleted by everything it took just to get through the day, a, just a day in my life. <laughs> A day in my life left me so depleted that I had nothing left to give my clients. I was able to give to my students because I give to my students out of myself, basically, my knowledge, my experience, and that kind of thing. Um, It takes some creativity, but it doesn't take the same kind of creativity that my client work requires of me. So that was kind of scary. It was kind of scary 
to not be able to deliver to clients. I still have projects that are outstanding that um, I don't think I'm ever going to finish, which is really awful. Um, You know, I had to cut ties. I had to turn down a ton of work. I had to stop projects that I had begun. Um, Some of those projects, fortunately, just went on pause. Um, But man, the quarter four of last year was so uncomfortable for me emotionally and financially (laughs) because I couldn't do client work. And my course business is, is fine, but it doesn't pay the bills. You hear that people? Um, the vast majority of my, um, any profit I should say. So my revenue is split. So revenue is like how much actually comes in. Profit is how much is left over after you pay all the bills. Client work is where the profit is for me. My courses are not very profitable. Um, to all you naysayers <laughs> who say that um, people just sell courses to make a bunch of money. Well, not everyone. Some people sell courses to help other people. Um, but it is a problem that my courses aren't profitable. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about 2020, looking back and looking ahead. So we put one year to rest. I'm recording this on January 4th which is a Monday. I'll probably publish it today also. It's a balmy 47 degrees on my little patio office. Not a patio. It's like a, it's an enclosed sun porch, basically. It's not weatherproof. It's very cold out here. (laughs) Not as cold as it was a few days ago. Um, But anyway, I digress. I wanted to talk about last year and this year and how do we keep moving forward. And what does moving forward even look like? There are rumors flying around now that this pandemic and the periodic shutdowns and the on again, off again, restrictions and school and working from home and all that is going to continue popping up and becoming problematic through 2024, which is another three years. And not to get into any kind of political discourse, because that's not why I'm here. Um, I'm here to talk about writing. So I want to talk about what writing looks like when this massive societal shift is taking place. We are having lots of new conversations as a country that we were not having a year ago. Some of which I think are very good. Many of which I think maybe are not. I'm glad that 2020 brought forward a lot of racist issues, things that needed to be talked about, awarenesses that a lot of people didn't have that they needed to gain, uh, myself included. I hate all the tragedies that occurred that brought this conversation to the forefront, but I'm glad that at least in some circles, the conversation is being had. Um, and being held. And I am actively looking for ways that I can play a bigger part in that conversation. Um, I find the polarization over so many issues that I don't understand. I mean, I do, but you know, why are these things polarizing? I find that really disheartening. I find that it weighs on me emotionally in a tremendous way. I have people on both sides of pretty much every issue out there in my family and in my close circle. And 
it's hard not to, um, it, it can be difficult to navigate conversations with those people and it can be difficult to navigate um, assumptions made and it can be really difficult to navigate coexisting sometimes. Something that we, when we are polarized, are not very good at is coexisting. And you see that more and more out there. But I'm someone who is trying to coexist. And I imagine a lot of you listening are as well. Um, so I'm right there with you. And when I say that the emotional expenditure of energy on navigating everything is massive, I'm not kidding. And, and I'm a, oh, an affluent, I mean, I'm not rich, but I have enough money to pay the bills. And I'm a white woman. I'm a Christian in the United States of America. I'm a Southerner. And so as far as circumstances go, I have it fairly easy compared to many, 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 many other people, not just in my town, but in my state, in my country, and in the world. So I can't imagine what it's like for people who are facing even more challenges and even more difficulties than I am. But I can speak to the difficulty of trying to work and be productive in a field that requires empathy and sensitivity and insight and analysis. Um, there's a lot of in intuition that goes into copywriting. A lot of it is backed up by data, but there is a lot of following your gut really to find the data and to extrapolate things from the data that you can use in your copy. It's a really interesting combination of the creative and the analytical when you do copy the kind of the direct response copywriter way. And being able to keep your own feelings and your own thoughts and emotions to the side so that you can do this other work is really, really difficult. And I say that as someone who lived through incredible trauma in 2020. Trauma, the nature of which I can't really get into right now, um, in part because um, there's there there may be some legal ramifications, so I can't talk about it. Um, but I can tell you that I have been living in what I recently, I read this amazing phrase the other day. I think, and I, I can't remember what I was reading in, but I think it was about this whole living in a world where there is, where you don't know what the outcome is going to be and it could go either way. I wish I knew what this was because it was, it was really profound, but there is this one phrase, excruciating ambivalence. I have been living in excruciating ambivalence for a year now. And it's the kind of thing where I don't know what my future is going to look like. And I don't know, there's a lot of change on the horizon and I don't know how it's all going to shake out. And I don't have the ability to make a lot of major decisions that will likely impact my future drastically 
I can't make these decisions. I have to sit around and wait for everyone else to make their decisions and then choose how I'm going to respond. And it's been like that for a year. And I have four very small children. Well, one of them just turned nine years old. I don't think he qualifies as very small anymore, but the rest pretty small, preschool and younger. Um, so it's a lot. And how do you carry yourself forward when you have so much weighing on your shoulders? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I never quite figured it out. So what? So I had to quit. I had to pull back. I had to stop doing client work. I had to start thinking, what do I have? What resources do I have inside of me that I can tap into and turn into something that can put food on the table for my children? And I did lots of thinking and soul searching and um, I got a business loan so I could sleep at night and um, not a big one, but enough you know, just so I could sleep at night and not freak out because I had to cut all the client work. I don't know if I told anybody that. Well, there you go. Um, and, and I reached deep down and I came up with this idea for a course called Booked Out Writer. You may be familiar with it. I'm currently building it out. Um, but I really feel like as I move through this process of conceptualizing, planning, launching, and now delivering Booked Out Writer... I feel like this is the major contribution I have to give, and it's of myself, um, which offers some relief. I am now rested. I took a lot of December off. I got really sick, as I tend to do in December, which is really crummy. I don't remember the last time I had a Christmas where I wasn't sick or where the kids weren't really sick, um, which is really lame. Even with all these quarantine efforts and whatnot, still managed to get sick. Super lame. Um, but I feel better now. I feel rested. I feel a lot more capable. Um, and oddly enough, as I turn my sights off of 2020 and on to 2021, as I stop looking back and start looking forward, I find myself drawn to a book that I read years ago. It used to get tons and tons of buzz. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called The Desire Map by Danielle Laporte. And I hear almost nobody talking about Danielle Laporte anymore, even though I think she's really interesting. She's a little woo. She kind of went off a little bit of the deep end for me. However, some of her insights into human nature and habit and motivation and feeling, some of those insights are just so completely profound. Um, when I first read The Desire Map, it was probably 2016. It might have been 2015. I say the first time. It's the only time I've read it. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. So the premise, if you're not familiar with it, I'll tell you. The premise of the desire map is to start with how you want to feel about your life. And then use that, these desired feelings, as the basis for your goal setting. So she teaches this system where you evaluate how you feel across different categories of life, and then you decide how you want to feel across these different categories of your life. And then she kind of shows you how to conceptualize and then chunk out goals that will help you move closer to those, move you closer to a life that gives you those feelings. And so for an emotional robot, analytical weirdo like myself, who spent a lot of time pretending I didn't have feelings, <laughs> And invalidating the ones that I did have. This was actually kind of challenging. 
And so I, I abandoned the process maybe halfway through, maybe just a third of the way through. But I find myself really drawn to this idea of not focusing on things like numbers or enrollments or percentages, but f- but basing decisions based on how they feel, how they affect the feeling, how they affect what it feels like to be living my life. Because so much of what happened in 2020 just absolutely felt torturous to me. So incredibly painful that there were moments I couldn't breathe. I wish I could talk to y'all about it. It was really hard. Really, really hard stuff. Really cool stuff too. Like I had a baby and this baby is awesome. He's such a cool baby. Um, but even his birth, which is, which was a, a joyous occasion, long anticipated, and I love him so much, even his birth was a traumatic birth. I've never had a traumatic birth before, but with him, it was a traumatic birth because of, I mean, like I almost died. That kind of traumatic birth, which I haven't really talked about with anybody outside of my support circles, right? So it was inescapable. The pain was coming from all directions and it was inescapable. And it was really hard. 2020 was just really hard. And I know I'm not the only one who looks back on last year and thought, man, that was really hard. And as much as I want to say we have a new calendar and it's a new year and it's over, you know, the hard is probably not over. In fact, this year may have things in it that are even harder. But there's not any baggage (laughs) attached to this year yet. So we can approach it with optimism. And the optimistic me looks at 2021 and says, I want to feel better this year than I did last year because last year I felt awful for the vast majority of the year. I think I think I had a week <laughs> last year when I felt really, really good and then everything came crashing down and then that came crashing down and then a sinkhole opened up and everything fell into the sinkhole and then it all caught fire and then a plumbing main broke and so it flooded, right? So that was 2020. <laughs> that was my emotional experience of 2020 and then I had a baby. And then it became more of the same. I don't want to feel like I'm drowning and overwhelmed and in chaos anymore. I don't want to feel like I am tapped out anymore. I don't want to feel like I have nothing to give with my clients anymore. I want to feel confident. I want to feel secure. I want to feel not even confident because I, I have confidence. I want to feel self-assured maybe. So I haven't made my list of feelings yet or anything like that, but I'm kind of mulling. How do I want 21 to 2021 to feel? And I want it to feel better for lack of a better word. I want it to feel better. So I'm thinking about how I want to feel. And I'm thinking about, uh, like, I'm trying to identify specific things I want to move toward. For example, in this, uh, in this um, desire to feel more serene, more serenity, I guess, one of the things I need to do 
is declutter my house, which is something I do a big push like every other year. I need to do a massive push now because we just have so much stuff. Excuse me. We have less stuff than we used to. And I always have donation boxes going out the door. But like, no, but like, seriously, I want to get rid of a bunch of our stuff. Things that I have been, things that have survived every other purge. You know, the funny thing is that when you live through extended amounts of, of just gut-wrenching trauma, stuff loses its meaning. And I look around and I see a bunch of stuff that used to have meaning. And now I feel like I know what really actually matters. And this stuff doesn't have any meaning for me anymore. So it's time to clear it out. I want to deliver more. And I want to deliver better for my students. I want to do big things for clients. I want to work with clients who are doing big things. I was just an affiliate for the DI bundle and it was a huge launch. It was a $170,000 launch. It was a six figure launch for a product that was 90 price point was $97. And I think it was open for five days, maybe four days. And it did $170,000. It was amazing. This product. I I know that some of y'all got it and it's, there's just so much cool stuff in it. It's a bundle. It was a bundle sale. Um, But being a part of something that big is something I want to do more of. One of my email clients did, I think it was $750,000 for Black Friday. That was a big thing. I want to be a part of bigger things now. Even bigger things, I should say. I want to work with clients who are doing six-figure launches. I want to work with clients who are building seven-figure businesses. Um, Fortunately, I've been able to do that a lot, but I want to do even more of that. I'm trying to think how to wrap this all up, and I don't have any kind of neat, tidy, chipper thing to share with you. Normally with these podcasts, I like to come with my list and my resources and my thoughts. Um, but we've been on hiatus because I was sick. I was too sick to record a podcast. Um, and now I'm now I'm back. And we have a whole new year. And I feel in a sense like I'm a different person than I was last year. I became a different person last year. And now I am ready to acknowledge who that person is. Um in that person right now doesn't have any words, (laughs) no beautiful words, no wonderful thoughts. Um, But I am thinking about leading some sort of maybe like a workshop or maybe just a really casual conversation among friends in my Facebook group, the Inkwell Guild. So if you are kind of attracted to this idea of making some plans or setting some goals according to how you want your life to feel like around you, how you want your life to feel around you as you experience it. If that's intriguing to you, then I'd suggest that you come over into the Facebook group. You can go to theinkwellguild.com. That'll take you straight there. Or you can hop onto Facebook and search for The Inkwell Guild with Ashley Gaynor. And it should pop up, answer the questions, we'll let you in. And um, as soon as I feel like I have a little bit more to say, to start this conversation, I think I'm going to start posting about how I envisioned this year going. I think we all had a lot of 
expectations for how last year was going to be 2020 and, you know, vision and all that stuff. I don't know, cool year number and blah, blah, blah. And then it became what it became. And I think we're all tired and wary and we all want to feel better. So that's where I envision us going. Come join this conversation with me um, in the Facebook group. You can also send me an email if you would like. This episode was a little bit longer than some of the episodes tend to be and kind of raw. <laughs> um, I guess this, yeah, this one is a little bit different. Next week, starting next week, I'll have more kind of crunchy tactics to share with you. But this one is just sort of me in a podcast. And if you want to talk about anything that's going on with you, or you want to initiate a conversation about anything I've said in here, but you don't want to do it in a public forum, I invite you to email me. You can email me at ashley at ashleygainer.com. I do not invite you to send me a private message on Facebook (laughs) because that's a black hole and I probably won't get back to you. Email is your best bet. My turnaround time on email is very slow right now. I only check my email probably twice a week at this point. Um, And I don't really have a whole lot to say about that, except that I get overloaded easily and email overloads me. So someone else manages most of my email. But when you send messages to me, I get them. And nine times out of 10, I'm able to respond. Not always quickly. Also going to continue building out Booked Out Writer. As soon as the curriculum is done, I'm going to open the doors again. I got a message from someone the other day saying, I should have, I should have enrolled when I could and now I'm kicking myself. Um, And it's not open right now, but if you are also kicking yourself, send me an email and I'll send you the backdoor enrollment and you can hop in because the price is going to go up. I imagine that'll be the end of February, maybe early March. Um, But that's kind of what I'm focusing on for quarter one is making this program the absolute best I can make it to the best of my ability at this moment. Um, And then finding ways to improve it and serving my clients to the absolute best of my ability and setting up my life in such a way that I am supported in both of those efforts while continuing to be the mom and the wife that I need to be right now. It's a lot. There's a lot on my plate. There's probably a lot on your plate too. And if nothing else, Just know that you are not alone and that I want to support you. I'm cheering you on and I'm here for you. Come hang out with me on Facebook. So my friend, if you have been listening to this podcast and you like what you hear, have you left a review? I'm just wondering. And I only ask because reviews are really, really helpful for podcasters like me. I really care about what you're thinking, what you need, and how I can come alongside you and help you grow your freelance writing business so that it's something that really supports your life and gives you exactly what you're looking for in some kind of work from home, get paid to write type of thing. So if you have not left a review and you are so inclined, I would be deeply grateful (laughs) for your stars, for your commentary, and of course, I want you to tell me what you love so I can keep doing more of it. Thank you.